Hello, I am Anika Orock, author of The Incredible Women of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, and you are listening to the fabulous Baseball and Barbecue Podcast with Jeff and Len. Welcome to episode 123 of Baseball and Barbecue. I'm Len Aberman, and I am here with my incredible co-host, Jeff Cohen. Jeff, welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Len. I have to agree with you. I am incredible. Nobody will argue that. (laughs) How are you doing, my friend? I'm very good. Thank you. You know what? Exceptional, because we have on somebody who has been on our, as I like to say, bucket list for a long time, and that is Derek Riches. Yes. You and have wanted him on a, for a long time. Yeah, a long time. So I'm so I'm so excited, honored that he's on with us. And then, Jeff, the, we also have, if, if people will recall, we had on the two people, well, two of the three from the Metsian podcast. We had Sam Maxwell and Mike LeColent, and they were on with us. And they talked about why Gil Hodges should be in the Hall of Fame. That's right. And then we also had a discussion about their podcast, which we said we would save when we uh, were able to release it. And now's the time. Lo and behold, there it is. So without any further ado. Well, I have a do. Oh, you do have a do. I do have an ado. (laughs) Go right ahead with your ado. I just want people to give us a call at 516-855-8214. Our email is baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our Facebook page. We have a Twitter. You can tweet us at baseballandbbq. Instagram, baseball and barbecue, where barbecue is all spelled out. You know, we have a website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever they have ratings. Please rate and review us. And now, Leonard. Without further ado. There you go. Right. Derek Riches, it is extremely rare to hear a podcast host introduce a guest by issuing an apology, as well as admitting a huge mistake. But that's what we're about to do. Four plus years ago, we started baseball and BBQ, and we made a guest a guest a bucket list. And our guest that we're about to have was among the top of that list. Our guest may be considered one of the most knowledgeable when it comes to live fire when it comes to the live fire industry. So for us to go four plus years without having him on is inexcusable. And for that we apologize. Having admitted our error, we can move on and truly become a real barbecue podcast. Our guest has been writing about the barbecue industry for more than 25 years. He has been a witness to the industry's phenomenal growth, for which he has been a major contributor in ways we will discuss. Baseball and barbecue, after a long wait, we are thrilled to introduce 
Derek Riches. Derek, welcome to Baseball and Barbecue. Oh, for a minute, I didn't think you were talking about me, but hey, it's great <laughs> to be here. <laughs> and and not only if you hear a chuckling, that is our special co-host, special guest co-host, none other than Doug Shiding, who I think uh, whereabouts are. Where where are you, Doug? I am at the Houston Rodeo Barbecue Competition in the in the uh, janitorial cook trailer so i can get away from the music and i can hear everybody but yes houston rodeo Very surprise nice. surprise derek i'm here to give you some heck hey doug good to, good to talk to you again thank you let's get right on you know before we even did this podcast i i was very familiar derek with you because uh i was a fan I used to read your, um, I don't know what you call it on the internet. We'll, we'll call it blogs, blogs. We'll call it column, whatever you want to call it. When you were doing about.com many years ago, and so I, I knew who you were for a very long time. You started doing that in around 97, 1997, right? Yes, yeah. And so basically, you know, <laughs> tell us what you've been doing for the past 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> um not getting out of barbecue is, is is kind of the big thing it's like you know i i kind of took that up almost just kind of as a little side hustle sort of thing and it just kind of kept exploding and here i am all this time later and uh, you know i i still get up in the morning and do pretty much the same thing i was doing then it's just you know looking what's going on checking out new products and talking with people and I guess I must be stubborn or something. <laughs> and and writing books. Your newest right. book is The Complete Guide to Smoking Meat, 100 Smoking Good Recipes for Barbecue and More by Derek Richards and Sabrina, I'm going to butcher this last name, Bakish. Is that right? Bakish. Bakish. It's simpler than it looks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, the, and But it's a great read, great recipes in there. I've been looking through it. I've been marking off what I want to make when when the weather gets a little nicer. But also, it's great instructions in the beginning, the differences between pellet and smoking and gas grills and charcoal, and you get really into explaining. So it's really great learning experience as well. Yeah, that was kind of designed to be very much a, you know, to be an introduction to kind of, that's, if I would say anything of 25 years, my whole point is to try to get to the person that hasn't done it before that is trying to get into stuff. I mean, my philosophy is if your first experience is a good one, you'll keep going at it and you'll keep, you know, you'll keep trying, you'll do new things, you'll grow with it. And so, you know, that book is kind of a reflection of that. It's just kind of like, Hey, what's, let's just assume that nobody knows what they're doing and um, start from there. What Derek, what, what got you started when you, when you first, like you said, it was just a, a little thing, but when did you first discover this love of live fire cooking? Well, I mean, I grew up in the mountains of Utah. And so I kind of grew up with, you know, campfire cooking. And, you know, I mean, it was I, my childhood was catching trout in a stream and cooking them then, you know, it was that part of just kind of in that world. And, you know, my, my dad was a big outdoorsman sort of thing. And so, you know, anything that could be cooked outdoors, that was just kind of the way he always went. And so I was just kind of my, my childhood, my upbringing. 
but you know, I mean, I, I was living in Utah. There wasn't a barbecue joint for 400, 500 miles. I didn't really know about like, you know, real hardcore barbecue uh, until, you know, uh, a friend of mine kind of was like, Hey, he'd moved down. He'd moved back home as a guy I knew in early college and he'd moved back home down to San Marcos, Texas, which is now just south of where I am. And, and he's like, Hey, why don't you come down for the summer? And, you know, you can work down here and stuff. So I was like, yeah, that's a, sounds like a great thing. So that's when I kind of like, wow, there's, you know, this whole food, this whole central Texas barbecue and, you know, that I was kind of exposed to. And, and after that, it was kind of like, well, how do I make that? How do I do that? You know, and I, I, I mean, I, I literally started with a $40 Brinkman smoker, you know, the vertical water smoker, they used to call them R2D2 units or something like that back in the old days of the barbecue forums. And, you know, just kind of mucking around with that, plus, you know, grilling and doing all that. So when kind of an opportunity to write about barbecue popped up, I'm like, well, I could take a stab at that. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? And it just took off because, you know, I was on a decent platform, but there wasn't a huge amount of competition back in the late nineties or so there was, there was some very good websites out there and, you know, and I was lucky enough that there was a lot of people that would kind of write me and tell me how much I was screwing everything up and set me straight. That's was literally the first 10 years of my life. You're wrong. And here's why you're wrong. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk it out. And I'm kind of open to that kind of criticism, I guess. Uh, I could take that sort of abuse that just, it just exploded. And to the point where, you know, I, I was doing a barbecue website that had 20, uh, you know, that was doing 2 million users a month. And, you know, I was sending out 150, 200,000 newsletters a week. Okay. So that's a lot of it is kind of accidental that I got where I'm at, but uh, I, I, you know, the tenacity just stick with it and, meet a lot of great people and and just really explore it. Would one of those people be uh, Doug Shining? Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. As matter, well, I mean, we've had lunch. He doesn't live that far from me, but we don't actually meet up that much. I mean, I, I had meant to try and get down to Houston livestock, but I had some scheduling problems and that's probably where I'd be if things hadn't been. But I, I, is it cold down there, Doug? It's very cold for Texas, you know. It's it's almost like upper thirties, and uh, yeah, it's a little cold. But I'm I'm staying around the grills. But yeah, you were gracious enough to uh, when you moved to, to to Austin, and and when we spent three hours at, at Loro's, I I was you were very gracious with your time. I didn't know how long we would spend together. So um, tell me a little bit about how you know the reason you moved to Austin, and uh, you know was because it's a barbecue mecca. Was that any even more? on the list or uh, what were the reasons for moving down here? Me and my wife, you know, married for quite a while and, and the, our, our childhood moved out of the house and moved off to Boston. And it was kind of like, we don't, you know, there's nothing holding us where we were. And we spent literally a year talking about where to move to. And I just kind of kept going back around to, well, I mean, I'm kind of in favor of Austin. She was kind of like, well, I don't know about Austin. And, you know, it gets really <laughs> hot in the summer and it's Texas. And, 
There's all that stuff. <laughs> hey, 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 getting close to home here. <laughs> We're going to secede from the union, as, as uh, some people say. But, you know, plus also, it's like, you know, it's Austin. It's full of Californians. And I don't want, I mean, that's what I want to have to do with that again. But so, no, so we just kind of settled on it and, and just made the jump. So I'm really happy to be here. It's a, it's a great town to be in. Have you been made, making it to uh, the round of uh, different barbecue restaurants there? I and have what, been, what are some of your favorites? Yeah. I have been trying to. What I try to do is go to the places that Vaughn's going to put on the Texas monthly list before he does, because it ruins exactly. my ability to get in quickly and easily. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's like, I, I, honestly, I went to Franklin's barbecue like eight years ago, and I haven't been back since. Because I don't like standing in line for that long. I mean, there's a few places I, I would, uh, you know, I, I've stood in line for snows and, and I'll do that. But I had a, I, I, I still kind of go back. I, I really like La Barbecue. I mean, it's like if I really want kind of that real Central Texas brisket, that's, it's just like, it's really good and I really like it there. And I haven't had it bad yet. So, but Interstellar has been good. I, I got down to there a couple, about two months ago and, but yeah, there's just so many places. It's and and I'm not Daniel Vaughn. I can't keep all of these places straight in my head. <laughs> I don't take copious notes after I go to a barbecue joint. And so it's kind of like there was a really good thing at a place and it was near a bridge. That's kind of what I get stuck with a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh Derek, do you take spend five or to ten minutes taking pictures of your food before anybody can eat it? I don't. <laughs> I, I, I I have trouble with that. My wife is always like, "Did you get pictures?" I'm like, "Uh, no." <laughs> I, I I don't. I'm not good with social media, and I don't think about the fact that I'm supposed to take pictures of that. I went to a, I went to a, I went to a food event in in Sonoma years ago, and it was a ton of food bloggers. And, you know, they had these incredible chefs coming out and making these incredible meals and everything would sit on the table while all of these people had set up tripods and all this stuff to take pictures. And my food was cold by the time I got to it because I'm like, don't eat, don't eat, no one eat, no one eat. <laughs> no, I'm eating the food. Comes out, I'm eating. You could take pictures of the, the plate after, the yes. bones. <laughs> I have a lot of those pictures. I have a lot of empty plate pictures, you know, that sort of thing. Hashtag phone eats first, Derek. Yeah. Hashtag phone eats first. Oh, <laughs> it's a lesson I will learn one of these days. <laughs> well, that that's what makes you a great journalist is is that you are a true journalist. I think. Well, I yeah, I mean, photography is always a second thought to me. Exactly. You know, I mean, I've done like elaborate step by step instructions of stuff where I've gone through and cooked it written all my notes, done all of that, and then gone back and done it again so I can then take the pictures of it because it's hard for me to do both at the same time. It's hard for me to think about how do I plate this? How do I set this up for a shot? How do I make this look good and actually make it turn out right? But, you know, people well, who, who did, who was in charge of that for your book? Cause the, the pictures in the book are great. That, you know, we worked that out with the publisher. So that's just kind of, oh, a, okay. they're going to have to make sure that they've got pictures that they want. I always make, that's always a stipulation with, with that sort of thing. I mean, my wife is a fantastic photographer and all that sort of stuff. And she will take pictures while I'm doing stuff or while she's doing stuff, but 
it's hard for, for me to wrap my brain around the fact that I have to be thinking about what to say about it and what it looks like at the same time. So that's my big shortcoming, I think. Eric, when you started, it was what? Charcoal grills and gas grills. Was that at that time when you started? That was that was always the big media piece. It always came out, you know, every newspaper in the country in April had that gas versus charcoal sort of argument. And I think about it more from the user standpoint. In fact, that's about personality and about what you expect out of things. But yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there was a lot of smokers out there. You had to know what you were looking for and you had to be involved in that sort of community. I mean, you know, the Weber Smoky Mountain was kind of like the big one that so many people had in their backyard. But, you know, I mean, Traeger existed. There was good smokers coming out of New Braunfels and Oklahoma Joe's and, you know, David Close over there in Houston. And, you know, I mean, for the big rig stuff like that, it's just, you know, if you wanted a, a rig smoker, oftentimes you had to literally go to where it was made and hitch it up and drive it back to wherever you live. So you didn't have the distribution for that sort of right. stuff. So it really mm-hmm. was kind of, uh, was a lot of gas grills and charcoal grills. And that's why, you know, so much of the d- online discussion in the nineties was how do you smoke on a Weber kettle? That was a huge thing. You know, talking about pictures, going back to what we were talking earlier on your website, the pictures are in- incredible going through the step-by-step and, and, and the recipes. So there's plenty of pictures on, and by the way, your website is outstanding. You can get Thank lost you. in it. You can get really lost in it. And I have been for most of the day. So I'm going to cook this, I'm going to cook this, but yeah, it's very easily to navigate and it's just incredible. So I want to compliment you on that. Thank you. I, I spent a lot of time, you know, when I was with about.com, it was like, you just didn't think about what the, what the site would look like. Eventually you put stuff together and then, then there was overlap and navigation was impossible. And kind of going back and going, well, how would you do it if you had to start over again? And I was like, okay, I'm actually going to start over again. You know, you're, it, I, So I consider that, despite the fact that it was so hugely successful to be draft one. When do you think, what, and, and why do you think was this explosion in, in barbecue and the, and the popularity of it? And when I say that, I'm, I'm also, I want to get to the fact that there are now several, more than several uh, podcasts dedicated to you know barbecue which is another thing that uh yeah whoever thought would have would have happened i mean if if i ever thought i'd have a podcast you know that was half dedicated to barbecue i i I wouldn't have believed it you know that people would have wanted to hear about these things but there's a huge audience for it so when do you think that took off and why you know when i first first started out i mean back so back in 97 a lot of the source for me in information, what people are talking about was list serves. And I will explain that to younger people. And that is people would email in a question or a comment to a location, which would then be compiled into a large document and emailed out to everyone for them to then reply to. And it was like bouncing emails between huge groups of people, as well as a number of kind of online, you know, some of the online forums that were just kind of starting to come up. But those discussions to look back on are really kind of fascinating in that you had people in Maine or you had people in Oregon, you know, trying to get information about barbecue. And then you had people in Kansas City or in Memphis kind of like disseminating out a lot of this information. And it was very small. I mean, these were small communities. 
of people. But, you know, it just kind of kept creeping out and creeping out and creeping out. But I do think that the having access to that on the internet, having, you know, a number of good websites and a number of good discussion forums got people interested. I mean, one of the the questions I would get from people who really wanted to kind of figure out how to do barbecue were, were coming from people in like New York or Chicago or, or wherever. And it's like, you know, I was on a business trip in Memphis and we went to this restaurant and we had this food and it was so incredible. And I don't, you know, they were making these ribs and, you know, how do you do that? I mean, it's like, I buy ribs and put them in my oven or do the, you know, what is old school for their regions. I boil them salt and pepper and then take them out and throw them on my grill and put barbecue sauce on them. And people kind of traveling in and out of the barbecue regions were just fascinated by that sort of that process. How do, how do you pull this off? And so, you know, I mean, a lot of the early days I was like, well, you know, they're cooking on something called a smoker, which is it, it's an outdoor cooking thing and you're going to put charcoal in it and it's going to cook at a very, very low temperature. And, you know, if you want to do that brisket that you like so much, it's going to take like 20 hours to do that. And people come like, what? That That's insane. It's like, but that's how long it takes to get it to be that way. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of the people I talked with were people who traveled and, and that includes people from Europe. I mean, I would get emails from, you know, from England or from Germany. I mean, I remember a long correspondence with a guy from Indonesia. It was a businessman who'd been in America for a couple of months and was trying to figure out how he was going to pull this off where he was because he loved the food so much. And, you know, just kind of like, well, this is, you know, the kind of equipment you need, and this is going to have, going to have to go to it. And that's kind of where that philosophy of, you know, getting to that person who has the interest, but has no idea how to pull it off and, and helping them get where they want to be. I don't do a lot of, this is how you're going to win the American Royal sort of ribs, or, you know, this is the secret to Aaron Franklin's brisket, if there's such a thing, because most people aren't going to do that. They would never get to that point. They're not going to put that much time and energy into it, but if what they're cooking on a Saturday afternoon works for them, that's what I'm happy with. Doug, how's your brisket? Well, my, my, my brisket's pretty good, depending on who you ask. It's always the wife that uh, wife approved is the, the best thing. So that was one of the things in your, in your book, Derek, that I thought was interesting is, you know, the, the different brisket recipes you had, you know, the backyard. And I appreciate being from Texas that brisket was your first recipe in your book. Yeah, it was a, yeah, that's a, it, it's, it's a beginner's brisket. How much can we dumb this down? How how simple? Yeah. How can we, how, and then you, yeah, you have both, you have both. Yeah. And then yeah, we you have, have a much more involved process because you can actually make a pretty good brisket with salt and pepper, a decent brisket, not a $400 brisket, but one you can find in your grocery store and, and, and a decent type of cooker and not know a whole lot about what you're doing and still, still pull it off. And that's, and if you really want to embrace it, then we've got a recipe that'll take you up a step. Exactly. These these recipes are, you know, incredible. I mean, I see pork belly burnt ends. I never tried burnt ends to cook, but I can't tell you what this come this summer. I'm going to use this recipe. That's for sure. Your son requested. That's right. <laughs> he, 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 he goes to college in Arizona and he said, dad, 
when I come home, can we make burnt ends? You know, not can we go for a drive? <laughs> can we make burnt ends? Well, the, the pork belly burnt ends might be sacrilegious to some people, but but I always suggest give it a try. It's it's a phenomenal way to do like pork belly that way. And it's it's actually not complicated. It's it's a pretty straightforward process. You can pick up a nice slab of uh, pork belly at Costco and yeah, which is something you can get now. Yes. You know what I mean? It's depending upon where you were 20 years ago, you couldn't, you know, you'd have to go to a butcher and say, Hey, can you get me pork belly? And then be like, yeah, come back in a week. I'll get you hooked up. And now it's like, and that's one of the great things I love about, you know, living in Texas is it's like, you go to the, the HEB cause I call it a grocery store. It's the HEB. And there is a whole section, a massive freezer refrigerator section for barbecue meat. And there's just, there's ribs and there's brisket and there's pork belly and everything all in one place. And you can get everything you need. Derek, did you ever imagine when you first started that this would be the career that you would have and that you would be in such demand and that this is where that barbecue is just, they're coming out with smokers all the time and the, and different types. And of course mm-hmm. you have tons of different types of smokers. You've got your pellet grills, you've got everything now and now uh it's the whole thing with the you know with wi-fi and all this did did you ever think that this would be the future no i mean honestly when i started i was helping for 200 bucks a month just as uh, some side cash i mean you know like that's really what i thought would become of it and when it just kept growing and growing so quickly and you know and then it was like well this is your full-time job now because there's no way you can you know you know, I mean, I wish I was working 80 to 100 hours a week on it. You know, I mean, it was like, it's Thanksgiving morning and I have 120 emails from people trying to smoke a turkey. And first answer to your question is you're, t- you're, you're asking me too late. <laughs> Why didn't you ask me this a week ago? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, you know, I mean, that's kind of part of the reason I downscaled that presence to some extent is because it got on. Un- unwieldingly big to the point that I just, I couldn't psychologically cope with just the amount of constant requests and the constantness and the constant that, but yeah, I had, you know, it, it, it's, it's crazy to believe that it would get to this level to, you know, to the scale it is where we're now dealing with publicly traded barbecue companies and, people whose profession is app development for pellet cookers, you know, I mean, that's it. I don't, I I did not anticipate the scale in any way. I see on your website, you review uh, some grills, gas, charcoal, electric pellet about, I know Len and I have the pit barrel one that was given to us as a gift. Those are, you know, I never used a smoker like that before my life, but it turns out I really like cooking my ribs in there. How, How about those type of grills? The like the pit barrel, pit barrel, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I actually had one of the first production units. Oh, and I've, yeah, I really like them. What I really like about the like the pit barrel cooker, you know, and kind of that style is it comes, it looks and appears hardcore and yet really easy to use. And, mm-hmm. and, and I love that in that, you know, I can comfortably say, hey, buy one of these and, you know, you'll be able to figure it out in an afternoon and, and it works great. But yeah, I've, I, I, there's almost nothing I haven't cooked on. <laughs> Doug, what was the first 
grill smoke or whatever that you cooked on? Oddly enough, it was a uh, Weber Weber Smoky Mountain. I cooked on it three times, hated it because I didn't like the water pan, gave it away. But then I started making my own ugly drum smokers. So I really kind of grew up learning on ugly drum uh, ugly drum smokers. So Derek, what I know you've cooked on hundreds of grills. What do you have in your arsenal on your back porch that you actually, you know, can go out and cook on on a daily, weekly basis? I have three mainstay grill mainstay grills. I have a Weber Genesis for when I okay. just want to fire up a gas grill and cook something. I have a Weber kettle, which to me is quite possibly the most versatile cooker money can buy. And I have a big green egg XL, which actually functions as my primary smoker. I have a rotating number of pellet grills. They just kind of, they, they don't stay that long. I, I, I recognize that that sounds weird, kind of the way I approach equipment. And that is I lost track on the commercial value of products that I had been sent to review when it topped a quarter of a million dollars. Oh, wow. I mean, some of them were, we'll send it to you. You will pack it back up and you will send it back to us. Those are the $10,000 cookers and that sort of stuff. And I do not like doing that because I don't like packing, but I've, you know, I've, I've had a lot of longstanding relationships with a lot of companies. You know, I've known the people at Weber. I have known the Weber company longer than anyone who currently works there, but I've gone through everybody that's worked there. Um, I wish they didn't have the changeover that they do. And, you know, a lot of companies like that. So and that, and that's one of the things I like is, you know, I, I can have relationships with, with companies and with people so I can really sit down and say, yeah, that's what you're saying, but what are we really talking about here? What's really going on? What's the deal here? And then give me all the dirt on all your competitors so that I can actually go through and verify, you know, who's doing what to who. Because well, it's, it's a cutthroat business, I'll tell you that. It's funny because uh, I want to get back to that because I don't want to leave that hanging, that cutthroat business. But I had a question. And of course, because we're such a professional podcast, we didn't send you a pre any pre question. So this is going to be one that you maybe maybe not off the top of your head, but you've been doing reviews, product reviews for for many years, hundreds of reviews. The craziest product that you ever received or reviewed that you thought never had a chance and became huge. Oh. And then the other way around. <laughs> I've known a lot of products that I thought were absolutely crazy and never got to production. Craziest thing that I, that ever, boy, I don't know about that one. I don't think there's anything out there that I find terribly puzzling that I sit there and scratch my head going, why are people buying this? I mean, there's stuff that's overpriced. There's mm -hmm. stuff that probably, you know, isn't, shouldn't be as popular as it is, but I don't know that I can say that, that there's anything took off that, uh, that I still scratch my head about. Doug will hate me for saying this, but I have always been kind of meh, meh about pellet grills. And I'm, I mean, I think they're, they're good, but I think that I will go for a charcoal smoker over, over pellet grill any day of the week, but then I'm, I'm also kind of old school and I, I kind mm -hmm. of like authenticity. And I, and I, I fear sometimes that barbecue is kind of losing some of its tradition and its history in that so much convenience has been brought to it. 
it shouldn't be hard to do, but I mean, we were talking about pit barrel cooker, incredibly easy to use and amazingly simple. And there's, you couldn't put electronics in it if you wanted to. So, you know, there's that, <laughs> but I can't think of anything that shocks me as being successful. It is amazing though, over the years, how many different types of grills have come out. I, well, I guess you, you have the pellet grill. I was thinking about it before. Of course, I had a list and then I misplaced it. But um, I guess it's more the smokers themselves. There's such a, a such more of a variety of them. I mean, I started with the Webby, the, the Webby, the, the, the Smoky Mountain, the Weber Smoky Mountain. That that was also my foray into it. I just I really wanted to try it. People thought I was crazy because, you know, they. how long are you going to cook the ribs? Oh, about six hours, six hours. Yeah. <laughs> People that don't understand, you know, they eat them, they love them, but then they just no. you, you cook this for six hours. They don't, they don't get it. But is it now the categories are, well, the, Oh, you've got Kamado, of course. Right. Right. Which has become much, uh, much more popular. Now the green egg, the Kamado Joe, when Traeger first came out, were they always pellet grills? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it was always pellets with yeah, Traeger. Joe Traeger, who invented the pellet grill, worked in pellet business near Mount Angel. In Oregon. Yeah, in yeah. Oregon. And he had a gas grill and he hated it. He hated it because it burned his chicken all the time. And he, <laughs> and he said, you know, I, I'm doing... I, I, I kind of work in the pellet business and we have all the stuff, you know, making like pellet bo bro uh, boilers and stuff, you know, water heaters and stuff or, or furnaces. So he kind of cobbled that together over the course of many years to really reach a product that worked. And, you know, you talk, you talk to people who were buying Trader grills in like the eighties and nineties. And they're kind of like, yeah, it was, it, you know, it was built well, but you had to make allowances for stuff. You know, kind of on that, when I first got into into the business, when I started really writing product reviews around 2000, uh, I met a woman. She was head of what was then known as the Barbecue Industry Group. She was in marketing and PR. And she kind of took me under her wing, started explaining to me who all these people in the business are and all that sort of stuff. And she warned me. She said, um, there are three people you don't mess with, the Big Green Egg people, the Traeger people, and the Pollen Grill owner. She said, do not... If, if you come down on those products, they will hunt you down. They, they will find you. They're fanatical. They, they, they are cult-like. I mean, you know, they have a, a Eggtoberfest for Big Green Egg, which was an event started by fans of the grill who wanted to cart up their big, heavy ceramic grills and go to a park and get together and cook and share recipes. Now they have egg, these egg fests all over the country, all, all over the world now. I mean, they're having them in Holland, you know? So th the fans of, are, are just fanatical about this. And that's kind of, you know, why Traeger is what it is today is because people were so fanatical about it way back when. Now, you, you also have uh, a couple of other books that if we could promote these, um, I noticed that they, it looked like they're still available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've got uh, the rotisserie grilling cookbook I saw and kebabs, 75 recipes for grilling. Yeah, those 2017 on those, but they are still in print and they are still being sold and they're still making me money. 
So, so then we should promote the heck out of them because yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not right. a lot of money, <laughs> but it's look it's a, a few shekels in your pocket. Why hey, not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, you really, people you- really should take a look at this website. I mean, I've been going through it, like I said, all day and the uh, article and news is a great article on, on marinades, which I didn't think I, I mean, I didn't know that much, but I had no idea the time to to marinate a chicken or beef or fish. I just threw it in the refrigerator and just let it go. But now I know. I mean, you learn so much stuff on, on this website. It's perfect. Well, thank you. It's, there's a lot of a lot of years have gone into kind of putting all that together. So, yeah, and it's very it looks like very what? easy to make these marinades as well. I mean, just click on the link oh. and give you the, the, the what you need and done. Yeah, there there are people who bash on marinades, but it's like you you don't understand cooking if you think marinades are a waste of time. There are certain things that that's just what you need to do. You are not going to make carne asada unless you marinate it, and if you do, I will hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to ask you what his next big mountain to climb is or project. Is it another book or what? What's what's the next? Big he was thing on, on the this. Wait, he's on. Ba- well, it was being on baseball. Well, barbecue. it was be, being on baseball so, barbecue. Now, drop yeah, the mic. Be- drop the <laughs> mic. Yes, we, this is the pinnacle. This is as far as far as it goes. I can retire yeah. now. Are uh, you and Sabrina going to work on another book, or you have any? What's you have something else on your bucket list you want to do? Yeah, there may be another book in the works at some point. They're a lot of work, and they're tiring. You know, you sit there, next big mountain to climb. And I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I want to rest. But there, there's uh, this year I'm going to be doing a lot more traveling and, and getting out to a lot more stuff because for the last few years, I haven't really been doing much of that. So, oh, good. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I will be in Atlanta next week for a trade show. So I would imagine that you're in high demand as far as people having you review their products or just talking about them or, you know, just, I mean, you are, you've become a brand. I suppose my wife doesn't treat me like a brand, but well, that's, you know, so. that's wives. That's, <laughs> yes. <you know>. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, I mean, I know a lot of people, so, right. you know, and that's nice because I can call people up and say, Hey, what's going on with this? But, um, I, I do, I, I do some consulting and stuff for businesses and kind of like, don't do this cause it's not going to work sort of stuff. That's kind of, I I'm kind of known for, I mean, in the industry, I'm kind of known for pointing out a product that's not going to sell before they find out it's not going to sell. So there are some people who like run things by me first, but yeah, I mean, for the most part at this point in, in the game, I I'm in it to have fun. I'm I'm in it to kind of try new things and kind of share my experience and put stuff out there. And my wife has become this phenomenal recipe developer and she's doing stuff with people. And so she literally pops up and says, we have to cook this. And I'm like, well, go do it. But, you know, because she has tremendous skill with flavor. She can dissect anything you put in front of her. Mm. What goes into everything. I can give her a rub and she'll tell me what it was made of and how much of everything that went into it. It's phenomenal. Derek, with all the, with, with all the, uh, the changes now, with the, it seems like 
things are getting more technologically advanced, let's say, are we getting away from the very thing that we love about barbecue? At least I know I love it. The fact that it's something where you can't rush it. You need to just, you know, it's, it's communal, you know, you hang out, you, but with all the, with all the technological advances, it's almost like it's becoming what we don't want. I consider barbecue an art form. I can, and to me, it is America's art form, art culinary form. It is to food, what jazz is to music. I don't think that people should be obsessed with tons of science of why things do things or the technology to simplify the processes. I understand that if you've never done it before, you probably need a lot of, you know, you're going to need some handholding. There are incredible resources today. I mean, you know, there was virtually no video format that I could go to in the nineties and say, this is how you cook this because nobody was making that sort of stuff. And, you know, there was now there's just huge detailed instruction. I fear that, you know, I mean, my thing is that one barbecue isn't monolithic. There's not one flavor. There's not one method. There's not one style. It is. If you've ever wandered through the backwoods of the Carolinas, you can change styles every 10 miles. Texas has a very diverse styles of Texas of, of barbecue here. You know, everyone makes all of this focuses all this attention on central Texas brisket, but you know, Houston is a completely different game versus down to San Antonio or kind of what's going on in, you know, West Texas and all that sort West, of stuff. West Texas. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and I, I, I don't want that to be lost. You know, that w- that's been my argument against kind of the KCBS competition world is like you're literally trying to say there's there's one flavor that the ribs have to be exactly this way or they don't win the award. And I'm like, there are so many ways to do good ribs. There's so many ways to do good brisket. There's so many ways to do good pork and, you know, all of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a huge fan of that tangy Carolina flavor pork. I love a good mustard sauce. I love a good vinegar sauce. I love that that flavor. That's if I was going to get barbecue just for my own consumption, that's probably where I would start. But we lose a lot of that. And and then kind of the technology comes along and you know, people have, you know, they've got the apps and they're going to tell them exactly what to do without ever having to give it that much thought. I'm I'm waiting for the you know the self-flipping grill so you don't have to flip your steak over when you cook it. <laughs> and I'm not waiting for it because I've seen it and it Oh, it's coming. Grill. But some but no, it's not coming. It's oh, okay, good. No, this was a prototype that would never work. But <laughs> wow. I, people have tried it. People have said, "Hey, you know, it's it's laborious to flip all those burgers, but if we had a mechanism for doing it for you, it's like, oh. <laughs> why are you it. doing it? That's the, you know, I mean, for me, you know, growing up the way I did and kind of the that it's, you know, you, you gather around the grill. It's the cliche and sort of thing, but that's, that's what it's about. And that was taught to me. Someone wrote me, it was, it was very early on. It's like 98 a man writes me and I was not doing a lot of product reviews at the time. I was doing cooking, very basic stuff. There was a lot of grilling. There was some barbecue. And this guy writes me and says, I need a grill 
because my wife died and I want to have cookouts with my children on, on Saturday so we can stay together. And I'm like, yeah, whoa. Okay. That got heavy really fast, but that is, that has always stuck in my head that when we, you know, it doesn't matter if you're cooking hot dogs on, on a Saturday, or if you're spending 20 hours cooking a brisket, it should be about your family. It should be about community. It should be about the process, about the artistry of it and being involved in it. I mean, I am a firm believer of being really connected to the food you eat, knowing what it is and where it comes from and why it is the way it is and what it tastes like. And I don't want barbecue to lose that. That's kind of my passionate thing about it. Well, Derek, this has been a a great 45 minutes. I I know you have a very busy guy. I I see you have a lot of social media. You're on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and and your website. Anything else you have you want to promote? No, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I put stuff out. It does well. Um, I'm happy for that. I have a lot of good friends. I've made a lot of good friends over the years who are always willing to kind of like, Hey, check out what Derek says about this. And, and I'm in a good space for that. Yeah. So, so, so what he's saying is he really, he's coming on here to help us <laughs> to promote our podcast. Yes. And we appreciate that very much. Everybody should check out Derek Rich's website. It's DerekRiches.com. Riches is spelled R-I-C-H-E-S. DerekRiches.com. His book Derek has two R's, just so yeah. people know. Well, there's too many ways to spell Derek. Right. Because <laughs> everyone gets it wrong. And riches is a word in the English language. You should be able to spell it. Yes. <laughs> the new book is called The Complete Guide to Smoking Meat, 100 Smoking Good Recipes for Barbecue and More. Terrific book, I think, for, for, for everybody, not just beginners. And Derek, thank you very much for being on Baseball and BBQ. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and we thank do. you, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We'll yeah, see, you soon, I'll, I'll see you soon, Derek. Hope to see you soon. Yeah. Hey, okay. hey, Doug, Doug, before we let you go, how's the uh, Texas barbecue going? No, Houston rodeo going. Absolutely, we did. We did practice run of ribs and uh, chef's uh, choice tonight. So uh, made a minor modification for our Saturday rib uh, turn in. So it was good, and it's colder than hell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm no, in Doug, my house, warm and safe. <laughs> we want to see you, but you know, it, when it's a little warmer, we're not coming out when it's. I mean, it, it was warmer in New York. Yes, <laughs> it's it, it, it's 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 misting now, and I'm worried it's going to turn to freezing rain. So yes. It will. All righty. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you. guys. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Thank Thank you. Thank you very much. And Leonard, I think that, you know, Derek Richards is on just one of the, I would say, the kings of barbecue. I mean, he knows so much. Yeah. Jeff, we have been doing this podcast now for almost four and a half years. I will say it was worth the wait. Thank you, Derek. You made it worth the wait. And Thank Let's, you, Doug. Doug was on there. That oh, how could I? That is oh, that we yes, we of course, Doug. As a matter of fact, Doug helped us to get Derek. We, yeah, of course, we thank Doug. That is that is with that. You know what? That's because we're trying to rush. That's we're right. trying to rush because we've got two great interviews, and we just wanted to get it out there. So I'm sorry to 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 Doug and. Now, is Doug on the next one with uh, Mike and, and Sam? 
No, I don't think Doug's on with us. What? Okay. One. Well, he should have been. Yeah, he should have been. Of course, he should have been. But. <laughs> so let's let's welcome in Sam Maxwell and Michael Colant from the Metsian Podcast. So we are joined by Mike and Sam from the Metsian Podcast, and also from a couple of other things that they'll tell us about. Mike, Sam, it's about Mike, Sam, and Rich, right? How did you yeah. guys get together? How did three guys? All Met lovers get together. Well, it started with Rising Apple. Shout out to Rising Apple. Uh, we all started there around 2012, which was quite quite the first year to begin blogging. Um, it, it was pretty quickly into blogging that they recruited me. And then I was basically there for till 2017, I believe. Mike, how long were you there? Not much. Not that, not that long before you joined in. Right. I was there a couple of months before you arrived. You came post-transition. I, I, I came aboard with the old administration, and you know that kind of fell apart like wet toilet paper until they uh, reorganized <laughs> with Matt. Yeah. And uh, that's when you came in. Right. And it, it, we basically, by the end of 2012, uh, talking to Matt Mozico, uh, he, he was referring to, um, we were saying that we, we thought it was a good idea to put a podcast together. So we started... Shout out to Danny Abriano for the name, The Rising Apple Report. And once we all transition out of Rising Apple Report, they were kind of in transition themselves. I don't even think they do a podcast anymore, but we just decided to go our separate ways and start the Metzine podcast. Started out as a Metzine podcast, but then we all agreed that we needed a brand change. <laughs> now, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm on, I'm going to guess because I'm not familiar with Rising Apple, but I'm going to assume that it has something to do with the fact that it was at Shea and now at City Field. There is an apple in a, in mm-hmm. a hat that rises up when a home run is hit. So for anyone who's not a Mets fan who's listening, I'm assuming that's what it is. Is that correct? Exactly. Correct. The rising home run apple. Gotcha. And shout out to them, the Rising Apple, part of the fansided.com family network. So shout yeah. out to them. You guys, weekly podcast. I enjoy it very much. Jeff turned me on to it. I had the uh, the fortune being on it once, calling in, <laughs> and once I was actually invited. And I appreciate it very much. But yes, we tend to, as Mets fans, and Jeff and I, Full disclosure for anyone that doesn't know. They know. I, <laughs> they know. We are Met fans. <laughs> as Met fans, we want the Mets to do well. But as podcasters, you definitely seem to have better episodes if the Mets are not doing well, because complaining about your team <laughs> seems to generate a lot more good material than when they're doing well. I'll have to get them transcribed. On that. See, see what what material we have. See if we can go on stage with any of it. Uh, you know, I there's there is something I think for Met fans that that becomes comedy when they lose. And there's so many things. I mean, you know, you try not to go in circles. And and for the longest time with the Wilpons, you know, we were repeating ourselves and repeating ourselves. And you know, what are you supposed to do? But it sometimes, I mean, like it, it makes sense. I, I think it's just logistically speaking, it makes sense that there would be a better, like one liner or more 
uh, <laughs> for uh, for bad for when the Mets are doing, especially like the way the Mets do badly, because they never just do like oh, oh so so. <laughs> they all they always they I mean they have the stretch like either it's a 2019 stretch in August or it's a 2021 stretch in August. You know, it's like you can't have it either way. Right. So then, basically, for podcasting. You're better off when your team that you love no. so much is I, not doing well. I, I think we, we'd all agree that we'd rather see the Mets do well and have a nice, uplifting podcast than a this, complaining. <laughs> I'll say this, though. One of the best podcasts, and I believe Mike can speak to this. I believe he was there. One of the best podcasts we ever had with Rising Apple was the snow day that Johanna Cespedes got signed in 2016. And it was also one of the highest listened listen to episodes and some of the best material as well. So we do sometimes, ha- uh, you know, have some some good moments when there's something to celebrate. Either way, win or lose, there's always a great story. You know, right. as I always say, they they write the narrative for us. They write the headlines. We just articulate the uh, the article. That's all. Yeah, you get some really great guests. One of my favorites was when you had Howie Rose on. That was just fantastic. It was a yeah, that was a great, great episode. episode. Uh, and by the way, we all wish Howie, uh, you know, speedy recovery. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You've had on, uh, I believe, Frank Thomas uh, on of Original Met. Do I have that right? I think he did. That is, yeah, that is yeah. correct. And so uh, you really get into great material. Well, we're we're appreciative of. You know, everyone who's been on and agreeing to come on, uh, it's not something that people just jump into. You have, you know, professionally speaking, writers, whomever, they have reputations to uphold. They have a, a, a level of professionalism that they uphold. And coming on a podcast is sometimes can be risky business. So I appreciate all their trust that they put in, a, in into us, us three, Sam and, and Rich. And coming on and participating in Metzian conversation. I'm so appreciative to everyone. You know, so Rich is not with us tonight, uh, Rich Sparago, but he is what you call the converted Mets fan. Why is he converted? Can, can, can you that speak would to be that? Sam. That would be actually Sam. Like Sam. Oh, Sam, okay. You're converted. Converted. Oh, okay. I am right. converted. I'm the converted Mets fan from the Yankees. Ah. Oh, wow. And to tease, I would just say, if you want to know the story of how that materialized, the conversion materialized, just go to convertedmetsfan.blogspot.com or Google dumping the Navy pinstripes for the orange and blue. All right. I'm jumping there right now. Okay. (laughs) Well, one of the things that your podcast is, and you do it live, and you can actually take phone calls. And I know I've I've called in once or twice. I know Len has, has called in. That's very unique, I, I think, because you know we're doing this right now. We don't have a phone line open. We're recording this. It's going to be edited. But you, you do things right there live. How, how does that work? Are you? Uh, does that make you nervous or anything, or you just go with the flow? Yeah, you know, there's, there's, you know, always. I think it's always good to have some nerves there, you know, and and you just have to learn how to stay focused and 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 sometimes like you, there's things that you know you're 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 monitoring Twitter like. It's it's all different types of things that could possibly distract you, and, and you know, and it of course it depends on whether one of us is hosting or not. You know, that's always a different way that uh, each of us goes about the entire night. I think you're getting a true reaction, as if uh, you know you were sitting at a bar, and, 
we're, we're friends and talking baseball or at a ball game talking baseball. You know, you get into true reaction. Sometimes we set each other off and the fireworks go off and, you know, we go on tangents and rants. And, you know, sometimes we take the time to uh, spread love and joy throughout Metsville. So it's very reactionary and I like it. It's a very human element. Uh, it's not contrived or anything of that nature. Do you know how, around how many Mets related podcasts there are? Ooh, uh, quite a few. I mean, I wouldn't know the number off the top of my head, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out that of uh, ball teams and maybe even of sports franchises, <laughs> there might be a a more than you know closer to infinite than others. If that if that makes any sense. Right. So, uh, do you find yourself competing for? with these other podcasts or are you kind of on an island onto yourselves? Ooh, I think that there's always place to, to grow. And, but I think what, what I've discovered, especially with the ones that we've had on who have their own podcasts is that it's, it's a friendly competition. You know, it, it's, you, you all share the exact same thing in common and that's the New York Mets and right. the want and desire to succeed. And the, the, potential to complain when they don't to me it's more of a, a grassroots thing you know we planted a seed we watered it and we're growing and it's an evolution and you know someday we'll get together and you know we'll come up with perhaps bigger and better things you know but it's an evolution and so far so good i think oh it's so far it's great you guys oh absolutely again very enjoyable to listen to. And, and what Sam said is, is absolutely correct. It's kind of more like a, you know, a friendly community. I know your friends with other, other podcasters. One of our friends, mutual friends, I would think, would be Gary Mack. I know he's been on your show a couple of times and vice versa. So, you know, I, I know there's, you know, a friendly community. You also have one of the great voices uh, of Mets who's not well known nationally, but we know him. He's been on your show a lot. Greg Prince, who is just a absolute knowledge of, of Mets history and he, he I know he's been on your show plenty of times and he's just a great guy he's a wonderful guest uh, such a a walking encyclopedia of Mets 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 history uh, incredible incredible I invited him to a Mets game once got to meet him in person cherished the moment but a fascinating guest with such incredible recollection great talking Mets with him Greg and I once shared uh, this this great Mets moment where R.A. Dickey was going for his 20th win, and we got together the inning that David Wright hit that home run. And I know I know some uh, a little bit disparaging comments were said about R.A. Dickey recently regarding the the way the clubhouse reacts to a pitcher trying to get a a one hitter change to a no hitter via error uh, to a to a fellow player. But, uh, you know, just within that tie and even even uh, tangent enough, uh, R.A. Dickey was still one of my favorite parts of not only blogging, but uh, of the last 10 years. But I got to share that that moment with Greg. And, and that was that one of the, the best baseball moments in City Field that I've ever been to. And that, that was a, a lot of fun. And Greg is just is just a joy to be around and talk Mets. But, Do the uh, Mets ever reach out to Mets podcasts to do anything with them or if they're trying to promote anything? Have they gotten no. to that point? No one's. Uh, I don't believe anyone's ever reached out to us, right, Sam? No, and I haven't had a, a you know Steve tag me back yet. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of times with when it comes to like, especially now that they're 
you know, I mean, like just uh, and and shout out to Mark C. Healy, who who talked about how within like 30 seconds after the Wilpons <laughs> had been replaced and he had uh, emailed to see if he could get his press pass again. Uh, within 30 seconds, uh, somebody responded, yes, of course. <laughs> so I think a lot of times, uh, especially now, now that the Wilpons are not there, it's going to be about us reaching out and and because it does seem like and it did you know to to give them a little credit it somewhat started within the Wilpons uh time of at least acknowledging that there was you know there there was something outside of uh modern uh, I mean uh traditional sports media Sam mentioned Mark Healy I also want to throw out there you know it was such a pleasure having David Lennon on the show as well as Justin Toscano you know again these writers, I think they take a risk sometimes going on podcasts. They never know what they're getting into. And we just uh, try to present a very respectable show for them. I totally agree. We, we have had on Mark Healy as well. And he was a wonderful guest. And we've talked to uh, Anthony Tacoma, a writer. And you're right. They do take a chance of going on a, I will say, a not a professionally produced, you know, with all the sponsors and, and things like that. But they do come on. And it was very, very nice of them to do that. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's a, funny is we had, uh, you know, we had Howard Johnson on, but, but the crazy thing is, is Hojo is, is really into barbecue. He would, he would rather talk about uh, brisket making, you know, our best brisket recipe <laughs> than uh, being a member of the 3030 club. It's <laughs> so it's, it's fun. That's great. Yeah. Insofar as players, we also had Skip Lockwood on the show. Uh, ah, that was a good ah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was a great time. And, and you know, they, they uh, just real quick, sorry, Mike. They, they, you saw his name on the screen the other day because uh, Aaron, what Aaron Loop is doing right now with the lowest ERAs. So it should, it should be like Skip Lockwood needs to get more respect than he he has. A very and book uh, is great, and his very book is un- yes, a very underrated New York map, absolutely. You, you know what I find, guys? When we have, I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, whether the player is perennial all star or someone who who just you know was rasterful, yeah, it doesn't matter because everyone has a story, and if you ask them the right questions and they they like to tell their story, there's interest they're interesting no matter what. So it's uh, I'm sure you find that as well that you don't have to have all stars all the time. All said. Guys, we, we appreciate you taking time out to, to be with us tonight. When we are on your show, you ask us for our sh- shameless plugs. So I'm going to turn around as fair play. So we're going to each ask you for your, your shameless plug. I know, Mike, you have the your uh, the Brooklyn Trolley Dodger, right? I know. Well, how, go ahead. The, the name is a spin on the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers. I called my blog the Brooklyn Trolley Blogger. And again, just a spin. And uh, that's where I talk about all my my sports life in Brooklyn and life in general, really. I don't limit myself, but it's all Brooklyn-centric. Uh, I've been spending the summer pumping out uh, Negro League baseball box scores from different years, semi-pro baseball here in Brooklyn, uh, some fascinating stuff. It's an education for me, and I'm having fun doing it. The more the modern game upsets me, the deeper I go into baseball paths. Uh, and enjoy myself in that in that respect. But uh, the Brooklyn Trolley Blogger, thank you very kindly. And you know, I, I just want to say, insofar as the Mexican podcast, and on behalf of Rich Sparago, our other partner as well, 
that part of our success is due to guys like you, Jeff and Lynn, your support. And again, as Jeff and Sam, both of you say, uh, the community. A lot of our success is due to the community that we're part of. And it's a wonderful community, a friendly community, a very respectful community. And I'm happy to interact with each and every one of you whenever we have the uh, the chance. And especially in this forum, it's my pleasure. I'm humbled. Thank you very kindly. Well, we've, we thank you. And Sam, just before you give your shameless plug, mm-hmm. I just want to say, you know, Mike, it's very interesting because uh, you were talking about Negro Leagues baseball. And anyone that listens to this podcast knows that Jeff and I, are are big fans of that you know the the league the the leagues and we've had on numerous people bob kendrick being one of our all-time favorite guests and of course he's the president of the negro leagues baseball museum right wonderful show by the way thank Thank you you. absolutely it's amazing to me you you don't realize who your podcast is reaching because we've had on Andrea Williams, who wrote a book on Effa Manley. And we have a, you know, we, we all of a sudden we get a phone call and it's this gentleman and he wants to get, he wants to get in touch with someone, you know, he wants to get her book. Why? Because he's giving a presentation to children about the Negro Leagues and he wants to offer her book as a door prize. And as we're talking, He's, you know, we're talking about baseball and, and, and his love of the Negro Leagues and this presentation that he's going to be giving. And I asked him, you know, are you a listener of the show? And he says, I really like the episodes where you feature, you know, the Negro Leagues. And it's just amazing to me that you just don't know who you're reaching. And he was not aware of this book on F. Manley. He then now is and he's teaching this. So you were talking about the Negro Leagues, and it just reminded me of that. All right, Sam, go go ahead with yours. No, but I, I just to, to mention, I think that um, especially Effa Manley, uh, when talking about being a pioneer, doesn't get enough credit. And uh, I'm definitely going to have to go listen to that episode and also get that book um, because I especially myself does not know enough about Effa Manley. So I want to learn more. So thank you. And yeah, a shameless plug, uh, again, converted Mets fan, uh, not really active right now, but plenty to, to go back uh, and read. Bedford and Sullivan, uh, the story of Brooklyn and its Dodgers. Uh, that is my most ambitious, ambitious writing project as a screenwriter. I want to make an HBO style TV series about that. And I I'm, keep the audience active listeners in the research process, as I, I've always said, and it's just been like, if that, if I'm only lucky enough to have talked to the people I've talked uh, to about not only the Dodgers, uh, but Brooklyn itself, um, I, I, you know, I still have so many places to go just with the era, uh, whether it be the music or the pop culture element of it. But everybody that's been on there has just been so wonderful, whether you're a fan and like, like Mike said, Carl Erskine's been on the show. Uh, I've had Larry King, the late Larry King, and I am so blessed to have had him on the show. So, yeah, you know, and, and Peter McGowan, the late Peter McGowan also was on the show talking about being a Giants fan growing up in Manhattan. They're all on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts. So go check them out. There's about like close to 150 episodes already. 
That's fantastic. And you can also follow the Metzian podcast at the Metzian pod on, on Twitter. I get, I, I know you guys also have a Twitter uh, handle. If you want to give that out. Yes. Uh, at the underscore Sam Maxwell. And you can get me at the BTB underscore Mike Roman number two, otherwise known as capital I I. <laughs> and Jeff, before we let them go, I want to say something to Sam. You know, I have such respect for somebody who you basically were a Yankee fan. And I know that there were lean years for Yankee fans. I'm not sure that you are old enough to remember the, the, the time when CBS owned them. Maybe you are. I, I shouldn't guess how old someone is. But for the most part, being a Yankee fan for so many years, you know, they have been just a prosperous team. I mean, Jeff's son is a Yankee fan. And I remember once saying to him, you have never known a year of your life where they haven't been in the playoffs. So you went from a team that basically wins every year, at least in the gets in the playoffs, wins World Series to, you know, let's face it. There's a lot of heartbreak being a Met fan. And so that is just, I commend you for that. Well, you know, I will say this too, and thank you. Well, I mean, <laughs> I appreciate it, but I think that the biggest thing, and there might be some other converted Mets fans out there. I think I've heard of it before, but I don't know whether the diehard level that, that I came into the game as a 13-year-old and came into being a Yankee fan to flip to the Mets, that might be unprecedented. Not to like brush my shoulder off, but to, to, to be as diehard of a Yankee fan as I had been and to kind of just, as I put it, as, as you'll, you'll read, you know, to come of age, basically, and just realize. Although sometimes I wonder, because I recognize that I, it, the, the masochistic part might have rubbed off on my the rest of my life. But I, <laughs> so other than that, you know, and, and I will say this about Yankee fans right now. They, you know, 2009 may have been the century denouement for them. And right now they're they're starting to kind of come back to the pack, regardless of whatever happens this year. You know, there's much left to be to be written. And, you know, I, I think that probably a lot of the reasons is because of the Rays. Uh, the Yankees have started to come back to the pack. I mean, there's just more parity in baseball than I think ever before, which might just not lead, not be able to lead to the same domination that the Yankees had in the 20th century. And the owner of the Rays is from Brooklyn. There you go. <laughs> That's right. I, I, I have this big giant smile on my face because of the converted Mets fan, because behind me are pictures of Reggie Jackson and Chris Chambliss side by side on my wall. And uh -huh. I'm a Mets fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny though. Somebody will be listening to this and they'll say, you know, you're commending him on changing teams. I mean, it's not like he invented the cure for cancer, but in this context of baseball, <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. So he had an epiphany and good for him. <laughs> there we go. And look what it's brought me. No, yep. just kidding. <laughs> Guys, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. And much success with, with the Met Team Pod and, and all your thank endeavors. Jeff, Len, I thank you on behalf of Sam. I'll speak for Sam and, and Rich Farago. Thank you. Thank you both for your support of the Met Team Podcast. We 
much appreciated. Thank you very kind. Thank, Thank you, guys. It's really amazing. Thank you. Jeff, two great guys. They have a great podcast, the Metsian Podcast. If you haven't listened to them, you really should, especially if you're a Met fan. Right. And <laughs> and then from the, uh, oh, they also have one called a. Uh, Petfoot and Sullivan, which I believe right. is it's Sam's baby. I know Mike goes on it w- once in a while, but it's just uh, that's another terrific one. Also, we were on that, yeah, right. We yeah. we were on that, and I think at the time he was a. Uh, they were also talking about Gil Hodges, yes. but all is well because Gil Hodges is going into the Hall of Fame, and we couldn't be more excited for his family, uh, especially for Irene who is just uh, is a delight. And we had her on, of course. And now, Jeff, you will end the show because I don't know how to end this one. Well, we'll just say see you next time. See ya.